What's your goal? What's your purpose? It's going to determine whether you're going to have good times or bad times. After two weeks of marriage, Cindy and I began a year-long adventure of traveling in 39 states. People told us it was the worst decision we could ever make, but I can tell you it was the most amazing way to start our marriage. It was just Cindy and me. Every day, we would travel to places we had never been to, to be with people we had never met, to stay in locations we did not know where we would be. We were given a vehicle to drive. We were given fuel. And our food was paid for. We never had to worry about our schedule because it was all pre-planned for us. They would, one week in advance usually, but someday on the day of, I would get a phone call and they would say, here's where you're going to be today. We didn't get to choose where we went and most of the time where we stayed, what we drove, but we had an amazing adventure because of what our goal was. I remember we stayed in this one home. All the bedrooms went off of the kitchen and they had a cat. When we got there, they said, you guys will stay on the couch in the living room by the front door. And so we go to bed that night, they go to bed, and we realized they left us the cat. And this was a friendly cat. So we're laying there in bed, and the cat would jump up on the bed, and I would push the cat off, and the cat would jump back up on the bed, and I would push the cat off the bed. So we're asleep, and I feel this thing. And I reach up to grab the cat, to throw it off the bed, and I realize it's Cindy's head. And I, I take my hand slowly back off her head, thinking she's asleep, she doesn't know what happened. And about 15 seconds later, I feel her reach over and grab my head and then burst out laughing. It probably was not the most conducive environment, the most comfortable environment, but you know what? Cindy and I had a great time that first year. But it was okay as long as you didn't mind that you didn't get to control your schedule, that you didn't get to control what you drove, that often you didn't get to control what you ate, and you didn't get to control where you stayed. You know, every one of us goes through circumstances that don't necessarily line up with what our hopes would be. In our text this morning, Paul is going to address how to view and actually use life's difficult circumstances for good. So this morning, as I'm talking, what I want you to recognize is, is that Paul understood exactly what we go through. And he's going to give us a really important lesson, a really important truth about how do you deal with life. So let's look at Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading at verse 12. But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. 
And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Now, it's been a couple of weeks since we've had an opportunity to look at Philippians. So let me just remind you, Philippians is a thank you letter. It's a thank you note because the Philippian people, which was the first um, European church, loved Paul. Remember, that's where Lydia was from. That's where they were. He and Silas were thrown into jail and were beaten and they sang. And remember, the, the jail uh, was rocked by an earthquake and all the doors came off their hinges and they were free to leave. And it was out of that that the jailer got saved, Lydia got saved, many people in Philippi got saved, and this was a growing church. So it had been around for a couple years, and while Paul was traveling, Paul had a lot of things happen in his life that we would say, not, not so fun. Think about this for a moment. If, if you were misunderstood every time you went out. Now, remember, here was Paul's goal. Paul's, Paul's um, his main aspiration, if we could say his dream, was to go to Rome. Why did he want to go to Rome? Because Rome was the hub. Rome was the main, it was the key city of his day. Millions of people could be affected by his preaching. So, what did Paul say in Acts chapter 19? Paul said, after I have been in Jerusalem, I must also go to Rome. Why? Because Paul said, my purpose, my goal is to be able to tell people about how wonderful God is. So where can I go and get the most bang for the buck out of my life? So Paul went to Rome, but we know it's not the way he envisioned it. Paul didn't go to Rome as a preacher, as an evangelist. Paul went to Rome as a prisoner. Paul's a prisoner. And he sums up, as we begin in verse 12, he sums up his life by going, I would that you would understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me. You know, it's what a glossing term. Well, the things that have happened to me. Well, let's just pause for a moment and think about what happened to Paul. Because if you don't think about it, if you don't know what happened to Paul, you're going to miss the point of the text. What does he say? He says, well, you know, he was illegally arrested in Jerusalem. He was imprisoned. He had a death threat on him. In fact, they had to move him from Jerusalem over to the uh, over toward the sea and they had to do it at night and they had to do it with lots of soldiers to make sure he didn't get killed then he gets there and instead of getting a fair trial they just hold him and they hold him and they hold him for two years and finally paul says i'm not going to get a fair trial i appeal to caesar 
So now what happens? They put him in a boat and he's on his way to Rome and he gets shipwrecked. And once he swims the shore, he gets bitten by a snake. Then finally, he makes it to Rome. And when he makes it to Rome, he's under house arrest. And not just house arrest, but he's chained to guards. Six hours on a rotating basis. New guard every six hours who's chained to him. He's not free to work. He's not free to go out and preach. So what do you think so far? Good life? Is this good or is this bad? You say, are we talking about Paul or are we talking about me? You see, because we look at that and we would say, where is God? I'm serving God. I'm doing my best for God. Why would God put me in jail? Why would God let me? I mean, I just got shipwrecked. Why would he let me get bit by a snake? Why would he allow all these things in my life? And we struggle in our lives when things don't go the way we like for them to go. And Paul, in this little thank you note, is reminding them what really makes life joyful. And my goal today is to help you see what Paul wrote and for you to begin looking at things that are happening in your life and for you to really begin looking at it and saying, good or bad. And you're going to find that the good, whether it's good or bad will determine totally about your goal, your purpose. What does Paul say? But brethren, I wish you would understand that the things which happened unto me have happened rather for the furtherance of the gospel. So if the goal was to get out the gospel, then this was good, right? If the goal was to be comfortable, then this was bad. It's totally on his perspective. Now, as, as we look at this for just a little bit, I, I'm hoping you're going to see when Paul says, he says, this happened for the furtherance of the gospel. The word furtherance there has the idea of to be able to go where, where things have never been done before. To be able to explore, to be able to give what has never been done before. And Paul says, do you know, he says, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. You know what Paul said? I'm not the one that's in prison. It's these soldiers that are in prison. You know, they can't go anywhere for six hours. And so what happens? Every six hours, they sit down with Paul. Paul says, hi, my name's Paul. What's your name? Let me tell you a little bit about myself. And he begins to share his testimony. And over the course of six hours, not, you know, just 30 seconds at a door, over the course of hours and maybe repetitive hours, because maybe it's the same group of soldiers that are rotating in and out, we don't know. We do know this, that people, when they sat with Paul and were chained to Paul and couldn't get away from Paul, they began to realize Paul's got the answer. Nero is not God. But there is a God who loves us. So what happened? These soldiers go back to the barracks and they say, you won't believe who we were with. And the other guys are going, you're with Paul, weren't you? I was with Paul. Yeah, we were with Paul last week. Someone over in the corner, I was with Paul last month. 
quite, quite the story, isn't it? And what happened is, now, literally, the palace of Nero was being filled by soldiers who had accepted the Lord as their Savior. Who could ever get into the palace guard area to witness? Someone who is chained to the soldiers. So is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? Well, if you want to win people to the Lord, this was a great thing. If you wanted a little personal space, apparently not so good. Do you see how Paul is saying, the Philippian people looked at it and said, oh, poor Paul. Poor Paul. And Paul said, no, 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 wait. You're looking at this all wrong. Because I'm chained to these guys, I get to witness to them and they can't go, oh, I've got to go somewhere. Paul said, no, you don't. I got you for five more hours. Relax. Let's talk. So he says in verse 13, he says, So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other. And then we find there in italics places. So what's happening? Now that the soldiers are hearing about it, now that people are being saved literally in, in Caesar's palace, the gospel is going forth. You know, there is a battle raging that is unseen, and I think it's important that we be reminded of that. A battle to prove that God is not who he says he is, that God does not love you, a battle to destroy God's creation, specifically God's crowning creation made in his image, mankind. You need to understand, there is someone today who is mean, who is harsh, who is deceiving, but I want you to know it's not God. It's Satan. And if you think that that Satan is going to leave you alone, you're mistaken. You say, well, I'm not causing him any trouble. You're made in God's image. Every time he sees you, he hates you. So let's think about this. Satan is out for you. God only does what is good for you. Every good gift is from God. Sometimes we think God is going to be harsh. God is going to be mean. God is going to get his vengeance on me. If I don't do right, God's going to hammer me. I think we've missed, though. We, we've believed a lie already at that point. The truth is, why does God tell you don't do these things? Because they're bad. They'll hurt you. You're just holding out on me. No. No, I've got all these good things for you. So, whether it's in our relationships, whether it's in our finances, whether it's with our families, whether it's in the way we are viewed, it's our fame, it's our fortunes, it's whatever, whatever God says, we ought to be going, does God say anything about this? If you can avoid making the, the foolish mistakes, we talked about the school of hard knocks a couple weeks ago, if you can avoid those things, why not? Then you can push all your resources into knowing. Now notice, I thought this was interesting. In, second, in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, Jesus talking to the disciples specifically looks at Simon and he says, Simon, 
And then he repeats it. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. The idea of sift, as we see that same word being used in other places, the idea of sift means he wants to totally destroy you. And Jesus says, but I have prayed for you that your faith won't fail so that when you go through this trial, you're actually going to have a greater ministry than you would have ever had before. So as we look at this text, now we come back. You know, it's, it's common to think that if you walk closely to the Lord, you're going to be spared difficulty. And I would say if you read your Bible, you're going to find that's not true. You can't think that if you walk closely to the Lord, you're going to be spared of difficulties. In fact, you may, in fact, be targeted because you're close to the Lord. Think of Job. Look at Abraham. We could start going through a number of different people. I encourage you today, some of you are so afraid that God's going to hammer you. And my response to you is, God doesn't hammer the children that he loves. Now, he doesn't stop the consequences because he's already told you, don't do that. That's, that's going to hurt you. But the whole point of that test is so that you can come out stronger. You can do better. Satan's goal was to totally destroy Peter, yet he couldn't. He could bring very difficult circumstances, very dif disappointing circumstances into his life. But he couldn't hurt God's plan for Peter. He can't hurt God's plan for Paul. He can't hurt God's plan for you. God uses strange tools to help us accomplish our life purpose. So God used Paul's chains. But let's think for a moment. God used Moses' rod. God used Gideon's pitchers. God used David's sling. God used Paul's chains. The chains gave him a direct contact to the lost. Chains gave him contact with the officials in Caesar's court. How many of you recognize the name Fanny Crosby? A few of you do. Fanny Crosby is a songwriter. We are blessed by her songs. Fanny Crosby was blind because they made a medical mistake with her when she was a young child. She was blind her whole life. Good, bad. Her songs inspire us. Her songs challenge us. We would not necessarily have ever had those songs had she not gone through the difficulty that she went through. Good or bad? You know, I, I can put things into my own background my mom's incredibly healthy for 64 years. I mean, a half an aspirin was like her big medical cure. And at 64, she doesn't feel good. 
she's in stage four cancer, good or bad. She's going to leave her husband. She's going to leave her family. She's not going to see grandkids, good or bad. Do you know she met doctors and nurses and medical personnel she would have never met to share the gospel? My mom told me it's good. She didn't want to leave. She wanted to see her grandkids. She loved family time. I mean, mom was like all about family dinners and meals. and But she could have never met those people. If my mom could speak to you today, she would say, oh, I wish you could understand that the things that have happened unto me have happened rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Do I miss my parents? Absolutely. I wish I could help them. I wish I could shovel their driveway. I wish I could come help around the house. I wish I could do those things, but you know what? I can't. I am totally free to be here in Fargo. The things that have happened unto me have happened rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. I'm going to see my parents forever in heaven. Good or bad? You see, looking at circumstances and God-given opportunities as a way to invest in eternity totally changes the way we look at life. So Paul dealt with his chains. And he said, please don't feel bad for me. Thanks for the care package. Love chocolate chip cookies. I don't, I don't know that he said that. But anyway, he said, I, I love what you're sending me. I love, I appreciate the fact that you're sending me finances because I can't do this on my own. But he said, I want you to don't feel bad. Understand that the things that are happening that Satan meant for bad have all been used for good because look at what's happening to the gospel. I'm in Rome. And I'm actually impacting the palace. If he were just an evangelist, would that have ever happened? We don't know. But we have to believe that a good God took what Satan intended to stop him, and God said, oh no, who knew? But now we go to verse 15, and we begin realizing, he said, now people are bold to preach the gospel because now they're not going to be attacked. But then what happens? Verse 15, some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife. Some people were preaching the gospel to get Paul into more trouble. He's already in jail. He's already contained. And people are going, I'm going out and I'm preaching the gospel. One, because I'm more free to do it. Therefore, I can do it. And I'm going to get Paul in more trouble. Because look at all the mess that's going to come out of this. And what was Paul's response? I hate those people. That's not what we read, is it? He said, some are preaching the gospel out of goodwill. Some are so excited, they see what's happened to me. They see the confidence I have in God. They see that it's not about this life. This is all about what's to come. And Satan can't touch me in eternity. 
And so some people are preaching the gospel and preaching the gospel, and the gospel's going out more. And some are preaching it, trying to get Paul into trouble. And notice Paul says, the one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that my goal, I am set for the defense of the gospel. I live here on earth for one reason. I live here so that people can see Jesus. What then? Notwithstanding, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. What was Paul's response? Thank you. Thank you. And the people that were mean-spirited, Paul looked at them, smiled, and said, thank you. Why? Because the gospel was going out. Because of Paul's chains, Christ was known. Because of Paul's enemies, his critics, Christ was known. You know, criticism is hard to take sometimes. It is. Especially when you're going through hard times. You know, it's the old talk about kicking a dog when he's down. You know, when you're going through hard times and then you start getting criticized, it's like, really? But the reality is, Paul said, look, my chains are okay because his goal was to glorify Christ. His critics, the people who were criticizing him, he was okay with that. Why? Because his goal was to get out Christ. But now we look at what he's going through. Verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now Christ also shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If God is so big, why does he need magnifying? So now Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Let's think for a moment. Obviously, stars are bigger than a telescope. But the telescope magnifies the stars. Why do we need telescopes for stars that are so big and so bright? And the simple answer is because we are so far away from the star. God is so big. But from most people's perspectives, he is so far away, they don't notice him. So Paul says, let me summarize for you. The crisis in my life is not what I'm going through. The crisis in my life is I would really like to be with God, and I know that right now it's better for me to be here. 
so I'm pretty certain God's going to leave me here for a little while because you need me. But he said, uh, which, which is better? Well, it'd be better to be in heaven. It'd be better to have finished things up. How long am I going to be here? I don't know. I would love to be with God. I love being a grandpa. I love especially being married to Cindy. I love that relationship. You know what? I'm going to see her in heaven. I get her all eternity. Our relationship's going to change a little bit, but that's okay. We're going to be best of friends. But right now, which is better? I'd rather be in heaven. But I know it's more important that I be here. God's got you here because it's better that you're here right now. So the question is, why does God have you here? What is it that we're going to leave when we leave here? Well, we're, you're going to leave your money. You're not taking any money with you. You're not going to take your fame with you. You're not going to take your position and your power with you. Paul says, so for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. You see, if, if your purpose is to see Christ glorified, magnified, then you look at things differently. We were talking about hockey before the service began. I've got to confess, when I was in high school, that was really when I was indoctrinated into hockey. In Indianapolis, we played basketball. No one played hockey. We, we got kind of a beginner hockey team back then. And a couple of my friends, we would go and we would play, we would watch them play hockey. It was the Indianapolis Racers back then because we had the Pacers, which was a really good team, and we had the Racers, which was a team. And so they played hockey. And you know why we went? To watch people get put in the wall. I had never seen a sport where people would just go flying along and all of a sudden, boom, push someone into the wall. It was great. I, I didn't understand the sport. I didn't understand icing. I didn't understand anything. I knew this, though. When I saw one guy coming out of the side and he was going to hit this guy, he was, going in, he was going, in the, going in the glass. You knew it. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of those hockey players knew they were going to get put into the glass? All of them except for maybe those that have already been in the glass so many times they couldn't remember anymore, right? Most of them were... I, I always smiled because back then, when you looked at a hockey player and they smiled at you, unless they had had them put back in, they were gone. Why? Because if you play hockey, what's the one thing you're on the ice to do? Oh, come on. What's the one thing you're there to do? It wasn't to put them into the glass. It's put the puck in the net, right? Am I? Some of you, it's like, 
No kidding. You guys are hockey players up here. You know this. So, a good friend of mine who was, do you know the term a youper? Is that a term you guys, some of you know youpers. Some of you think a youper. They're from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, okay? So this guy was a youper. And he, he was an outdoorsman. He used to be a lumberjack. He would grab his chainsaws. He would climb up a tree. He would cut them. <clears throat> and then, you know, once he trimmed it all out, then he would start taking them down. And as an evangelist, often when he would go someplace, he'd see, boy, that tree needs to be taken down. In between, you know, when he wasn't preaching, he would grab someone's chainsaw, climb up the tree, and start hacking stuff down. He was an outdoorsman, and he was a hockey player. Well, he had a grandson. The grandson was just beginning to play hockey. And his grandson would come off the ice. You know, his ears were laying flat, and he would just be sad. And his grandpa would sit and talk to him, because he didn't have a, the little boy didn't have a dad that was in the picture. And the grandpa would call him by name and would say, what are you sad about? He goes, well, they're beating up on me, Dad. Grandpa, they're hurting me. And the grandpa would do this. He would say, get your focus. And, you know, this is where, this is pastor humor, but I mean, this is what he would tell him. He'd say, put the puck in the net and let the heathen rage. And he just kept telling him, you're going to get beat up on the ice. Put the puck in the net and let the heathen rage. If you play hockey, you expect to get bumped around. Probably bruised, even with all the great equipment. As a Christian, if you lose sight of what your purpose for living is, you will be discouraged. But when you read God's word and you begin to realize, if I can live, it's going to be about Christ. And if I die, it's gain. What can you do to me today? If I get imprisoned, I've got a whole new group of people I get to talk to. Do I want to go to prison? Absolutely not. Do I want to be separated from my family? Absolutely not. Would I rather live close to my grandkids? Absolutely. But I live for something different than my kids. I'm going to see my kids in heaven. All of my children have received the Lord as their Savior. And every chance I get as my, kid, as my grandchildren get older, I'm going to take time to tell them what a wonderful God we have. That's why I'm here. For years, I wanted my dad to come live with me. My dad lived with my brother. He said, Dad, why don't you come live with me? And he would come, and he would stay with me for five weeks or so, but he always went back and lived with my brother. Why? Because my brother had younger kids than I had. By the time my dad was ready to move in with me, my children were already going to college. And my dad said, Mark's kids are younger. They need me. Put the puck in the net. 
to you parents this morning. Put the puck in the net. I don't know how long you're going to be here. I don't know how long I'm going to be here. But Paul says, I wish you could understand that the things that are happening unto me are okay because these things are happening and look what's happening to the gospel. But this presupposes something, doesn't it? It presupposes that we're focused on putting the puck in the net. Are the things that are happening to you good or bad? It all depends on what you're wanting to accomplish. If your goal is a more stuff, it's bad. If your goal is more comfort, it's bad. I was really feeling kind of guilty and I, I was fessing up to some of the people as I was gone last week. And people are really, I don't, I don't get it. People are feeling really bad. They go, you're up in Fargo? And they would kind of wah, 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 wah. You know, kind of have that kind of a sound in their voice. And they would go, do you have snow? And I say, yeah. And they say, lots? I said, yeah. And they say, well, we got some and it went away. I said, ours probably won't. We're probably going to have snow till I don't know. I think we're going to have our weekend of summer in July sometime. He said, so if you want to come for summer, you better plan that weekend. And they're looking at me and they're going, you left a sunny climate and you went to the frozen chosen. And at first it was like, well, you know, thanks. And then I finally had a mess up and said, I really like it there. And then they're wondering why. Because I get to do Bible studies. I get to preach. I get to disciple. I get to encourage believers. And they're excited about it. Good or bad? It's great. I wish you could understand that the things, that some unpleasant things happened to me to bring me to Charleston. And I, to, to bring me to Fargo. And I would tell you, I wish you could understand that the things that have happened to me are happening for the furtherance of the gospel. It's a way for all of us. I love the songwriter when he says, If we could see beyond today As God can see if all the clouds should roll away, the shadows flee, or present griefs we would not fret, each sorrow we would soon forget, for many joys are waiting yet for you and me. If we could know beyond today as God doth know why dearest treasures pass away. And tears must flow. And why the darkness leads to light. Why dreary days will soon grow bright. Someday life's wrongs will be made right. Faith tells us so. 
If we could see, if we could know, we often say, but God in love availed to throw across our way. We cannot see what lies before, and so we cling to him the more. He leads us till this life is o'er. Trust and obey. Aren't those wonderful words? Don't they help us today just to kind of pull back and look at our lives differently? God has you where he has you to share the gospel and to share God's goodness with someone. Satan wants you to say, I hate my job, I hate my circumstances, I hate what I'm going through, because he wants you to be distracted. Put the puck in the net and let the heathen rage. It doesn't matter. I'm going to live in eternity in heaven. You're going to live in eternity in heaven. Is what you're going through good or bad? For the sake of the gospel, it's good. Just don't miss it. God's got you here on purpose. He's got you where he's got you on purpose.